The Humble Entrepreneur Podcast. My personal take on life and business by Robert Terry. Since 2005, I've been the co-owner of Nationwide Ventilation Limited, installing commercial kitchen ventilation. We've worked for the biggest names in the industry, including KFC and Taco Bell. The podcast gives you an insight into my journey and learnings along the way. Available on iTunes and Stitcher. Hey guys, Rob Terrier again. Um, obviously the Humble Entrepreneur podcast, but you know that because you're obviously tuning into it. So um, yeah, hope you've had a good week. Um, yeah, back from Spain now, so back in the office and cracking on with things and uh, not enjoying the UK weather, but there we go. It's the time of year, so we've got to kind of expect it, I think, haven't we? So um, yeah, you know, just live and get on with it, I suppose. So this week, what do we want to talk about? Well, this week, um, we want to talk about bigger businesses and three things... Um, to know about bigger businesses. Now, since 2005, when we set up in business nationwide ventilation, um, pretty much from day one, we was fortunate enough to be working with some fairly big guys, some fairly big clients. Um, we've always been lucky enough to do that as well, um, or unlucky enough to do it, whichever way you actually look at it. So um, to be fair, there are obviously pros and cons with working with any types or any size of businesses. Um, so. But there, there's kind of this, when you're a smaller business, there's kind of this uh, uh, sort of feeling that the, the bigger business is the way to be going. It's, you know, it's what you want to be doing to get that one big contract that's going to, you know, roll forwards. And I mean, we're, we, like I say, we've been lucky. We've dealt with people from sort of day one. I mean, we was dealing with Mitchells and Butlers. Um, now, they own pub groups. They own, they're a big pub group. They own a lot of different brands of pubs, Harvesters, All Bar Ones. Sizzler's a massive different brand. I mean, they've got sort of 15, 16 different brands of um, uh, pubs out there. And at the time, we was probably doing in excess of a million pounds worth of turnover with them. And that, that was pretty much from day one. So we was very, like I say, we was very fortunate to be getting that. And like I say, the, the sort of holy grail of small business does seem to be that everyone wants to get this um, one bigger business on board uh, to work with. Um, obviously you get the repeat orders, you don't have to chase the work quite so much and that kind of thing, but obviously it does come with some uh, some pitfalls. It's, you know, there's a lot of plus sides to it and it's nice to have these big household name brands that um, work work with you, but not all of them are quite what they seem and not all of them are quite as secure as what you think they are. So um, so it's, it's, it's sometimes it can be somewhat of a little bit of a poison challenge because we, we did find that to be fair. Um, which is why we tried to diversify our customer base at the time away from working with just one big customer um, across to sort of multiple uh, smaller customers, as it were, or multiple customers of the same sort of size. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it, it, like I say, we've, we've pretty much in sort of since 2005 worked with some of the biggest brands in the industry. I mean, we've been really lucky um, to have worked for some of the biggest brands and some of the biggest names. I mean, at the moment, we're doing loads of work with KFC. We're doing loads of work with Taco Bell, Nando's. Um, people like that in the ventilation industry. Celebrity chefs coming out of our ears, we've done loads of them as well. Now this ain't turned into a bragging festival because that's not what it's about. It's me trying to say to you some of these these three things that we've found. And these are three, personally what I think are three fairly major things to be aware of and um, what we've found out with working with um, bigger businesses across the years. Like I say, there is this kind of almost holy grail scenario where you want to work with the bigger businesses because you think it's secure, it's a regular income, they're not going to knock you, they're going to be great payers and all of that kind of thing. And it's, sometimes it is the way, 
I mean, certain people we work with are fantastic. Some people pay us really well. Some pay as soon as we finish a project. Some pay on a, you know, a portion on completion, some pay a portion, and then the balance on 30 days and so on. But some of the bigger businesses, and for example, when we was working with Mitchells and Butlers, um, we was lucky that we was getting paid on 30 days a month in. So that was very good for us and very good for the cash flow. Um, but there are some other bigger businesses. I mean, there's a couple of um, players, and I'm not going to name any names in the catering industry, who are the real big boys, and you can wait six to nine months to get paid from them on a project. Now, when you're a manufacturer, you just you cannot live with that. We can't live with it, even at us. And sort of, we're not we're not the biggest player in the field, but we are we are one of the best and one of the most respected um, players in the ventilation field. But what we've got on the flip side is if you're having to wait six to nine months and you're a manufacturer, you've paid your materials, you've paid your thing. So you've basically got to, any work you do for these guys, and because they're bigger guys, they're bigger businesses, it tends to be a bigger bit of work that you're doing. So it generally can be quite a lot to tie up a cash flow, particularly if you're not going to get paid for six to nine months. So um, you've got to carefully think about whether or not you want to actually be doing that kind of work. And for us, we don't do it. That's why, uh, to be fair, we could probably get an awful lot more business than we are actually doing but it would mean serious uh, type of our resources and our cash flow, which at this stage and at this point in the business's life cycle, we just don't want to be doing that. Um, particularly, like I say, when we're working with some guys that are so good that are paying us so well, and you know, so we, we're kind of happy where we are. So, um, so yeah, these these three things. So we're moving to the three things now. Uh, point number. This is, I suppose, point number one. What we talk about, and that is if you can. Um, and depending on what it is, um, you are better to joint venture with a bigger business rather than actually work for them. Now, some will do that, some won't do that. We've got a couple of people we JV with and it works very nicely. Now, the reason it works nicely is because they've got a vested interest in it working from their side. Whereas if you are just working for them, you're just another supplier in the list of suppliers. But if you are actually JV and they've got that vested interest for it to work for both parties, it's got to work for them, it's got to work for you, and you're actually, you're collaborating and working together. So it's a lot better if you can actually do that, to get them working alongside you, working with you, pooling your resources on a project and doing that kind of thing. Um, it, it just works so much better for everybody involved. Um, a lot of them will do it, a lot of them won't do it. Just It just depends on who the customer or who the client may be. Now, um, at one point, we did, um, did a massive, great, long research project with um, well-known high street brand Tesco's. Um, we developed um, a piece of kit for them. We never actually sold it to them, but we actually developed um, a piece of kit for them. And that was, um, if you go into these stores, and particularly like the Tesco's Express and things like that, they've got these massive, great ovens where they cook, do spit roast chickens, that kind of thing and we actually developed um, a complete standalone bespoke ventilation system. Now we JV'd on that with them and it worked fantastically for us. We paid, got paid for all the design fees which we wouldn't normally get paid for and that kind of thing. And um, we also got paid to develop and to work out the initial prototype. So it's all the kind of pre-work that we wouldn't normally get paid for. Um, normally we'd get a job from them to sort of say, right, can you produce this? Uh, so on the flip side, what they would, would would normally have done is probably turn around and say, right, can you make us one of these, leave us to get on with it. Then we go, there you go, it's going to cost you X amount. And they go, right, thank you very much. And then they completely reverse engineer it themselves. Well, we didn't do that. In this instance, we actually we actually, um, we actually actually worked with them. We had them down, we had their ovens down here, we had the ovens in the factory and working. We had well, It was quite amusing because everyone was queuing up at lunchtime to get their spit roast chicken because when we was developing them, testing them, we had to get these... Um, uh, we have to get the, like the big drums with the, all the, the chickens turning around on. So seriously, guys, if you can actually convince them to JV with you 
on a project rather than actually just be a supplier. It's gonna work out much better for you. It'll work out better for them because they're gonna be more vested and interested as well at the same time. So that would be my first uh, first thing. If you can do it that way around, do it that way around. JV with them rather than just be a bog standard supplier. Now, particularly in this day and age, things are moving more into the world of collaboration with businesses working together and that kind of thing. So if you can do that, trust me, it's gonna be so better for you your cash flow, everything is going to be much better off by doing it that, uh, that way around. So that's point number one. Number two, um, now this is this is kind of a, a fairly, you know, what we did when we was doing, like I said, with um, with MB, and that's the fact that rather than working with one big business that's, say, going to give you a million pounds worth of work a year, you're better off working with, say, four businesses giving you a quarter of a million pounds worth of work a year, or even better than that, 10 businesses giving you 100 grand's worth of work a year because it just de-risks things for you. Because what happens is, I mean, what we what we was worried about with, say, M&B, when we was doing a million pound plus worth of work with them in a year, what happens if they pull that work? We've all of a sudden got to fill a million pounds worth of orders. Whereas if you've got four customers, five customers, it just de-risks that for you. If one of them suddenly pulls the work and they go to see, and it may be for no fault, it may be nothing, no reasons that you've done. I mean, uh, like I say, at one point we was doing some work with Tesco's and they actually ended up, we did a, a lot of design work and they actually ended up pulling it because at the time they was in trouble. So they had to cut the funding for the project that, that we was looking at with them. Um, but if we was actually working with them on a sort of on a rolling basis like M&B, if all of a sudden they had a big problem, they had a buyout, share takeover or something like that, the work would have just stopped. And the other problem is as well, is particularly in the industry that we're in, is that it is um, potentially fairly seasonal. Obviously, people don't want to shut a pub um, in the run-up to Christmas. So what you would find is you get all the work at one portion of the year and then the rest without it. Whereas if you've got the same level of work in terms of turnover, but spread across multiple customers, it's a lot better for you because not everybody goes quiet all at the same time because they're all in slightly different, although they're in the same industry, they're all in slightly different sectors. So it works out quite nicely. And if there is a problem and one of them stops using you, you've only got to find a smaller amount. It's not like you've suddenly gone, shit, we were turning over two million a year, we're only turning over one million a year, we lost 50% of our work. Well, if you've got 10 customers doing it, common sense says you only lost 10% of your, your, your turnover, as it were. So assuming that they're all equal, as it were, but there'll obviously be some slightly up and some slightly down. So if you can, it is lovely to try and get that one, but do not, once you've got and rely on them, because what you'll find is as soon as you do, and depending on who they are, because some of them, like I say, they're not the most ethical of businesses to be working for, um, they will start dictating, trying to dictate prices to you potentially. If you've got this one big customer that's given you all this work, they know you, you've, they've got you by the bollocks. You're, you know, you're relying on them for the work. So what they're gonna do is they're gonna start dictating prices to you, to start dictating lead times to you, and even down to, you know, we've got this problem, it needs to be sorted now. I'm not waiting until next week for you to sort that, I want it sorted today. And, and we've, we found that there was problems that weren't actually of our making that, for example, when a fan went down somewhere, um, and it was nothing to do with us, we hadn't even wired the fans on site, somebody else had wired the fans, but it wasn't working. They're trying to open a pub, or whoever, they've spent however much money refurbing this pub and they want to get it open for the grand opening day and they can't fire it up because the fans in the kitchens aren't working. Well, the first thing they do is turn around and go, you supplied the fan. Well, we did supply the fan, but we didn't necessarily wire it. So it may not actually be anything to do with us, but we still had to get somebody there that day. And invariably, we'd get somebody there that day. It'd be nothing at all to do with us. And we've spent an, uh, uh, an engineer out for the day 
and you can't claim any of the money back. So, you know, these are the, the kind of other things. And like I say, once you are in them, the, generally speaking, sometimes the, the, the uh, terms start to increase. So you start on 30 days, it ends up 60 days and so on and so forth. Now, much smaller businesses than they are, they just can't cope with those kind of clash flows. And it's, you know, it can be fairly problematic for you if you are, um, if you are a smaller business. So I personally think, yes, it's lovely to have these big sort of guilt-edged businesses, the KFCs and people like that that we've got or whatever it, whoever it may be in your industry, whatever your industry is, there's always going to be big customers, big players that are in there. And yes, it is nice to get them, but they can, like I say, they can become so demanding and that kind of thing and you're much better off spreading the load across a number of smaller businesses to ease things. Trust me, it, it just works so much easier after after sort of 15, 16 years in business worth of running businesses, yes, it is nice to have the bigger businesses and it is it is good to do it because you get more sort of easier guaranteed work, but on the flip side, it does come with the associated problems like I've already discussed. So that's number two. Basically, rather than go for one bigger customer, spread, spread it across the same, so look for the same level of turnover, but spread across a multiple number of, turn, uh, multiple number of businesses. Now number three, and that is, um, bigger businesses are no longer as secure as they uh, used to be. You just got to look at the likes of Thomas Cook, uh, Carillion, people like that. These absolute monster businesses that you would never think or never assume would have any problems, any cash flow issues, and that kind of thing. In fact, they fucking have exactly the same problems as we do. You know, they're you know they're but their pro- the problem is their problems because they are bigger businesses are that much bigger multiplied. So. Instead of you know having to worry about a few hundred grand's worth, they've got to talk. They're talking millions and sometimes even billions of pounds worth. I mean, you look at the likes of Carillion, um, what what sort of uh, figures they were talking about there when the building firm went down. Likewise with Thomas Cook. I mean, I think it was they were something short of like two hundred million pounds worth of funding that they had to try and find. Now that is one seriously a massive amount of sleepless nights, and I wouldn't want that on my head personally. So, the bigger businesses, yes, they are, but who can tell these days you just don't know whether or not they are secure we assume they're secure because they are a bigger business but it just cannot be guaranteed i mean the likes there's so many you know in the travel industries now don't get me wrong the majority of these businesses are failing and, and whatnot because they're not moving with the times and that kind of thing but some of them still have i mean thomas cook for example they still move with the time they're a great website you could go on and book it i mean Woolworths when Woolworths went down because they didn't change to online and all of that kind of thing and it you know they didn't move with the times thomas cook still moved with the times they still had a great website they still had the store presences as well but they just you know it, it just caught up with them all there was just so much there was just so much debt there and this is the problems with the biggest bigger firms the bigger firms are massively debt loaded and that's how they're grown and that's how they get to be bigger firms uh, the likes in our industry, we've got loads of people. Jamie Oliver, for example, gone to the wall. A massive household brand. Um, Byron Burgers, people like that. But the majority of all of these businesses, and particularly in our field where we work, in the ventilation industry, nationwide ventilation, that we, uh, the majority of those businesses, the, the actual property and everything is all built on somebody else's money. It's all built on bank loans, securities, or investments from other people. And ultimately, when people start don't start to see the returns that they're expecting or looking for, they then start to call these debts back in again, which is exactly what happened to Thomas Cook. So you may think that it's nice and secure. You may think, fantastic. I mean, one of when um, Carillion went down, one of the people we deal with is only quite a small firm 
um, in terms of people, but he had a reason, relatively high turnover and good profit margins. But when Carillion went down, he was owed £240,000. Never see a penny of that. And ultimately, that had a knock-on effect to what made his business fail. So um, the problem is, when one of these big businesses like that goes down, there are so many people queuing up trying to get their money and there's just nothing left in the pot. So if if one of these businesses does go down and you're, you're actually into them for a few hundred grand, you stand absolutely no chance whatsoever of getting any of that money out because everybody else, the real bigger boys, are in there first. So it's kind of, yes, it's nice to have them and you think, oh yeah, we do a load of work with them. But the problem is, if you hit that point when they are no longer around and they, you know, they are in trouble, you, you just, you're not going to be able to do it. So again it goes back to point two if you're better off having a, a multiple spread of customers all given you so if if one company company goes down and they've got ten thousand pounds you own you might be able to get over it whereas if you you know you're working for say a bigger customer whoever it may be doesn't matter who it is and you are you're owed hundred grand the chances of you actually being able to weather the storm and get out of that is actually very minimal so you know, I'm not saying don't go and work with bigger businesses because there is this obviously this this prestige with doing it as well, and it's nice to work for for the people and and that. But there are everybody thinks it's a it's a golden egg. It's not. There are there are great bits to it. There are pitfalls to it, and those are the three main things that we found over the years that are actually doing. Excuse that's the office phone ringing. Someone's all right. Someone's picked it up really quickly, so not a problem. But um. Yeah, so that that you know they they are whilst they are bigger businesses and they are good to work for, there are pitfalls and they are the three main ones that um, spring to mind for myself. And particularly because things have changed, like I say, as we've gone on to number three, where in this industry things have changed and people have gone through. So uh, and bigger businesses are starting to go down. So you know it's it's up to you guys. Obviously, you, you know you work through you comfortable with and you have to do your own bit of due diligence. Can't talk. Friday afternoon, the brain's gone to mush. Start again. You have to do your own bit of due diligence on it to make sure that you can find out whether or not they will or won't be able to, or you can or can't, in fact, work with them. So um, I hope that helps you guys. Certainly, I know everybody in this, um, a lot of the groups that sort of we're all active in, the Disruptive Entrepreneur Community, the Four Networking Community, UK Networking Community, all of these kind of things, we tend to be some smaller businesses and we are looking for that sort of silver bullet, that killer one large customer. So... Don't, I'm not saying don't go for it, but just think about the pros and cons. And like I say, they are certainly three of the bigger um, potential pros and cons that, that can can kick off. So there's going to be a whole list of other things, obviously, that you can and can't do that will or won't work for you, for your business and you or your industry that you're working in. So, um, you know, if you've got any suggestions, please feel free to send them through to me. Let's have a chat about them. I'm always happy to talk about these things. I can always be got hold of via the normal channels. You can log on to the... Uh, Humble Entrepreneur website, it's got email addresses, that kind of contact details there, um, or, or Facebook, many, many of you know me on Facebook and that kind of thing, so you can send me a direct message and all of those kind of things, or on Twitter or all the other LinkedIn channels and all of those kind of things, so please feel free to send anything through. If you've liked it and uh, you've enjoyed what it does, pop across and give us a review if you like it, even if you think I'm talking bollocks, go and put it on there, tell me, and then I can adjust the content that I'm giving you guys because um, obviously the content that I'm putting out there is for you guys to help you guys out and it's kind of nice to get some feedback to know whether you are doing it right or you're not it's nice to get the feedback if you're not doing it right because then you can adjust what you're giving and what you're doing so that people can then um, tell you and you can you can give better content for people so um, I'll leave it there guys I hope you all have a cracking weekend um, 
Halloween this weekend as it was, it was actually yesterday Halloween, so I dare say people are off to Halloween parties, that kind of thing. Enjoy them all, be safe. Like I say, if you think this can help anyone, please share it with them. It's all obviously, you know, there to be shared and passed around. So, right, have a good weekend, guys. Catch up with you all later on. Bye. Remember, folks, stay humble and let your success talk for you. See you later. I think we have to go.